Well, the reading is from Matthew's Gospel at the beginning of chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe has been laid to the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Thank you, Roger, and morning, and Happy New Year to you all. It's lovely to see you all this morning. So a new year, at the start of a new year, it's that perfect time uh, for lots of, lots of us to set uh, some new personal goals or challenges uh, for the new year. I wonder what yours might have been. Uh, you might have decided to do dry January. In fact, Dave announced the other day he's doing wet January. Um, you can talk to him about that afterwards if you're concerned for his well-being. Um, or you might have set yourself a mental health or a spiritual challenge or perhaps a, a fitness challenge uh, to do through January. Uh, John and I, and also Catherine Thomas, some of you will know, are doing the plank challenge, as in the exercise, uh, the plank. So by the end of this month, in theory, and I'm laughing because I'm rubbish at it, uh, by the end of this month, in theory, I should be able to do a six and a half minute plank, uh, and I'll have abs of steel, I believe, as well. Uh, I, I, I'm on one and a half minutes. It's really, really hard. I don't feel confident I'm actually going to get there, but you can ask me at the end of the month. Uh, Goals always come, don't they, with a, a fear of failure. But if we never set any goals, if we never put any challenges before us, I guess we'll never grow. 
As we explore this passage from Matthew's Gospel today, uh, we're going to pull out three key spiritual goals or challenges for us to take into 2022. And so as we spend the next few minutes together, uh, can I encourage you to, yes, listen to me, that would be nice, but mainly listen to God. Where might the Holy Spirit just be highlighting areas of your life as a whole life disciple that he would like to work on with you over the next few weeks or months or even year? And so the first challenge to us from this passage is to use your voice. Use your voice. In our passage today, John the Baptist, pretty unusual character by all accounts, uh, was sent to prepare the way for Jesus. And he does so by using his voice. In verse 3, we hear uh, John described as a voice, one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Our church office, as many of you know, is just uh, down here on Broughton Street, uh, just around the corner from the church. What you might not know is that Broughton Street is one of the routes that the royal motorcades take when uh, royals are heading uh, to Holyrood Palace here in Edinburgh. Every so often, we'll be in the office, and we'll hear three or four sirens, perhaps outside, and we'll look out the window, and we'll see three or four outriders, uh, motorcycle outriders, speeding up Broughton Street, lights flashing, sirens going, preparing the way for the royal motorcade, which is to come. It's quite a spectacle. And those uh, motorcyclists, uh, they pause at different points along Broughton Street and along York Place uh, to stop the traffic. And then a few moments later, uh, a black limo or two will speed up Broughton Street. And if we're really lucky, you can get a glimpse of whoever, whichever royals are inside as they head over to Holyrood. It might be Prince Charles or Princess Anne or sometimes on the odd occasion, the Queen herself. And those police outriders, as impressive as they are, are not the main event. Their job is to prepare the way for the royals. John the Baptist, the son of Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, and Zachariah the priest, was a radical, disheveled, improper man who by all accounts wears camel skin as clothes and eats locusts for his dinner. And yet this man is chosen by God to prepare the way for the coming King Jesus. And he does this by using his voice to prepare the way of the Lord, calling people to repent, calling people to to repentance and the forgiveness of sins. You know, he doesn't have blue flashing lights or outriders, but God has given him a voice and God has given him an opportunity and he uses that not to draw attention to himself or for any sort of self-promotion, but to humbly prepare the way for Jesus. And with that voice, he makes it really clear, I am not the main event. 
the one who's coming after me is more powerful than I. You just wait. You just wait for the one who is coming. And John didn't really care about doing the right thing or saying the right thing. He didn't care for being amongst the good and the great of of society. He cared only for God. And this is the crux of John the Baptist's message here. He cared only for God and that people would come to know God. And that was his sole purpose. That was his driving force. Since the death of Archbishop Desmond Tutu a couple of weeks ago, I've been really struck how he used his voice to bring God's forgiveness and reconciliation and peace to the nation of South Africa during the apartheid years and also following them. You know, our social media pages and our newspapers have been filled with Tutu's words over the last uh, couple of weeks. And they're words of power. They're words of grace. They're words of humility. Words that had an incredible impact, not just on, on individuals, but brought relative peace to a nation. Now, you and I are not Desmond Tutu. We're not John the Baptist either. We might never have an iota of the influence that these two men have had. But God has given you and I a voice. And so we have a means and a part to play in building God's kingdom here on earth now. So let's just think for a moment, where do you have a voice? How can you use your voice to build God's kingdom, to share his love, to demonstrate his grace? Do you have a voice on social media? Do you have a voice in your family or in your workplace? Do you have an opportunity to speak truth to power? to talk with and listen to and influence your friends? Is God nudging you uh, to use your voice to share your faith in some way, to share your story of what God has done in your life, to perhaps invite somebody to Alpha that we've coming coming up this week or in a couple of weeks' time, or perhaps to use your voice to challenge injustice, or to demonstrate God's love in what you do or don't say, to speak kindness into somebody's life, to forgive, to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. How is God challenging us at the beginning of this new year to use our voices? And the second challenge is to repent. Now, repentance isn't very fashionable, but it is very relevant. Whilst preaching in the wilderness outside Judea, John's main task was to call people to repent. He cries out, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. God was using John to prepare the way for Jesus, to prepare people's hearts and minds for the relationship that God was establishing through Jesus, where all who confess Jesus Christ as Lord would have new life in him. 
And repentance is the inescapable beginning of that new life in Jesus that was offered. I came across this really helpful definition of repentance this week. It said this, repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of action. This change involves both a turning from sin and a turning to God, a turning from sin and a turning to God. So repentance is still relevant. Why? Because as progressive and good and nice as we like to think that we are, we all sin and daily fall short of the glory of God. Martin Luther said that the recognition of sin is the beginning of salvation. The recognition of our sin is the beginning of salvation. And while some of us might struggle uh, to admit that we've done anything wrong or anything that we need to repent of in the first place, others of us struggle to believe that God could or want to forgive us. And so perhaps we hang on to guilt and shame for a long time in our lives because we can't believe that God really loves us that much that he will forgive us of our sin. But the Bible reminds us time and again that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So maybe for some of us, We need to learn to trust in God this year, that God is a God of love and grace and faithfulness, that he does promise to forgive us and fill us with his spirit so we can let go of the guilt and shame that we've been carrying. So we need to repent. We need to turn from our sin and turn to God. And yet this idea of sin and repentance feels completely at odds, doesn't it, with the narrative of the society we live in. Because the narrative that we hear belted out all around us tells us that we can just be and do whatever we want to be and do. That no one has the right to tell us that our lifestyle choices are wrong if what we're doing is being true to who we really are. Unfortunately, I think that this narrative is built on lies and an unrealistic view of what it means to be human as God created us to be. And so it falls apart on multiple levels. In in reality, we cannot get away from the fact that there is right and wrong, there are truth, there is truth and there are lies, there is a right way to live and there is a wrong way to live. The reality is that the choices that we make aren't always good for us and do hurt our relationships with other people, with God's earth and with God himself. I love this response by C.S. Lewis. He's always great for a a brilliant quote. Uh, And this was written 50 or 60 years ago. But as I read it, I thought this could have been written last week. Uh, Quote from here from C.S. Lewis. We all want progress, but if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn, 
walking back to the right road. In that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive. So repentance is still relevant, and finding a place for genuine, real, and honest self-examination, confession, and repentance in our life with God, either on your own or together as a church, is vital to our spiritual health in 2022. And I believe that true repentance doesn't lead to repression, but it leads to freedom, and it leads to true joy as we receive God's forgiveness and can step into the new transformed life that we have in Christ. So the second challenge to us is to find a space for repentance in our lives as we move into 2022. And the third and final challenge to us is to pay attention to our insides, not just our outsides. I guess lots of us who have been around church for a while will be used to seeing people like Phoebe uh, being baptized. And even though baptism wasn't a new thing in the time of John, what he was doing out in the wilderness uh, outside Judea would have been absolutely shocking uh, to the religious Jews of the day. You see, at this time, only, uh, the only time baptism was used was when a Gentile, uh, a non-Jewish person, uh, converted to Judaism. And it was part of the uh, symbolism of the conversion that they would be baptized in some way. And it wasn't an individual thing. The whole family uh, would come to be baptized. The men would be circumcised and various other symbolic sacrifices would have to be made. And yet here in Matthew chapter 3, we find John calling people who are already faithful Jews to repent and be baptized. Shocking, because many Jews believe that it was their Jewish heritage that would save them, their lineage back to Abraham that would save them. And so John challenges them head on in his usual very subtle uh, manner in verse 9 and says, do, and do not think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. He's saying whatever your heritage, whatever your outward appearance, whatever you think qualifies you for salvation, you still need to pay attention to your insights. You need to repent and be baptized. Now, I'm lucky enough to have a cleaner. I guess we all choose to cut our cloth differently. Uh, but for John and I, when we both started working full-time, it was one of the things that we just decided was a priority uh, for sanity. Uh, and my cleaner is brilliant, and I wouldn't be uh, without her, apart from in one area. And that is my upstairs bathroom. Uh, when she's been on a Monday, it's lovely, isn't it? Going into her house, and it's all clean, and you haven't done it yourself. And I go up, and the bathroom looks great on the surface. 
all the basics are done. Uh, but as soon as I like move the little basket at the end of the bath with all the shampoos and shower gels in, or look closely around the taps uh, in the sink, or perhaps at the tiles around the shower, I realize that she's just had a little wipe down and hasn't given it a proper good scrub. And once I see that sort of stuff, maybe this says a lot about me, I cannot unsee it and I have to go and get the pink stuff or whatever I'm using and give it a really good scrub. John the Baptist is saying here to the Jews, you might look on the surface like you're ready to receive the Messiah. You do all the right things. You're seen in the right places. You go through the motions of worship or sacrifice or whatever. But really, what matters to God is what is going on on the inside. Being a descendant of Abraham, a Jew, is just not enough. Because the one who is coming is going to throw the doors wide open. The playing field is going to be leveled. And your heritage isn't enough to save you. You need to repent. You need to be baptized. You need to deal with your insides. The one who's coming isn't interested in your outward appearance, but in your heart. And he is Jesus. And he is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. And the only way to the Father is through him. So where might the Holy Spirit be challenging you and I to pay attention to our insides, our inner spiritual life at the beginning of this new year? We might be great at presenting that everything looks fine and rosy on the outside. We're praying and we're serving and we're worshiping and we're giving. But if we're really honest, our inner spiritual life needs some attention. Maybe we need to learn to not just do, and just go through the motions, but to stop and to receive from God in our spiritual life. You know, to find some space in our everyday to be still, to learn to stop and spend some time just being in the presence of God. Some of us find that harder than others. Maybe it's that you need to acknowledge and repent of your sin. Some areas of our lives just need to be honestly laid bare before God, confessed, reflected on, and then turned away from and given back to God. I'd encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you with this. You know, turning away from sin, especially that's something that's become really ingrained in our lives or got a grip of us, whether it's pride or judgmentalism or some area of lust or a negative way of thinking or whatever it might be. You know, we can't do, do with that or deal with that on our own. And we need the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit every day to help us, to hand it over to God, to let it go, and to keep letting it go on a daily basis. Perhaps committing to pray uh, regularly again or read the Bible again is the place that you need to pay attention to in terms of your inner spiritual life. 
There are so many amazing resources out, out there, aren't there, to help us with that. Uh, the Bible app or Lectio 365 are super useful. I guess the aim is that prayer and reading the Bible becomes more than just a tick box exercise for us as Christians, but actually becomes the time where we are able to spend time dwelling again in the presence of God, receiving from his word, listening to him, worshiping him, hearing from him. Or perhaps you've been trying to do this discipleship journey on your own. And if you're honest, it's been a real struggle, and it has for lots of us over the last couple of years. So maybe the best thing that you could do at the beginning of this year is to commit to do something with other people, to perhaps join a connect group or attend church more regularly so you feel part of the community of Christ again. Or ask uh, somebody else you know who's a Christian to join with you to pray together once a month. Or join the Bible course or the well-being journey that we've come, got coming up later this month. Being sort of proactive in seeking out other Christians to run the Christian race together might be the thing that God is challenging you and I to do in order to grow in him through this year. So, from this passage, three challenges for us to take into the new year. Where is God calling you to use your voice? Where might we need to repent? Is the Holy Spirit nudging you to pay attention to your inside spiritual life? Why don't we just pause now and spend 30 seconds just reflecting on what God might be saying to you about your life with him at the start of this year. Are there some practical steps that you could decide on now that you could take to move forward in these things? Is there something that you need to pray into or ask the Holy Spirit for help with? Let's just take 30 seconds for our own quiet prayer and reflection. O Lord, you have mercy on us all. Take away my sins and mercifully kindle in me the fire of your Holy Spirit. Take away my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh, a heart to love and adore you, a heart to delight in you, to follow you, and to enjoy you. For Christ's sake, amen.